gentlemen, episode 36. Uh, congratulations, we've gotten this far. I also have something else to inform you guys of. We are officially in the 1,000 Play Club. Our podcast has officially hit 1,000 downloads. So congrats on that. I uh, also want to welcome Canada and France to the listeners, because those are the two new regions that popped up this week. Hey. Welcome, yep. eh? As well as Singapore. We, we, we. Yeah. Singapore. Yeah. Interesting. We okay. talking about World Series? I don't know. Where's Choi from? It's <laughs> a good question. I think he's Korea, but close enough, yeah. right? Uh, also, a reminder to check out the website, threestarrecruits.com, for all our blogs, sports betting blogs, and daily fantasy. DraftKings is absolutely killing it right now. That is ridiculous what's been going on there. So be sure to tune into that. Uh, check out the other podcast, DFS Units, Sunday mornings for those updates. Mike didn't make it this week because he got hung over and drunk at a Halloween party. So just be sure to read his blog. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, and yeah, follow us on Twitter at three star recruits, the number three at come hang out, interact with us. Sometimes I tweet and it looks like I'm drunk. I've been sober for a month. <laughs> Either way, it's fun. Uh, so let's get started. Do you guys want to start with the UFC fight or do you want to start with NFL? So you will see. Oh, all right. Okay, whatever. So, Khabib wins. And go. Ahead. I want to hear you guys' thoughts on this. Did you? I know Russ watched the fight. Did you watch the fight, Adam? I did not. Did you watch Taylor? I watched highlights. Okay. So, Russ, how about you kick us off with your thoughts on the fight? <laughs> fights, <laughs> plural. Fights, fights. Um. All right, we can run through the list, I guess. Well, one of them's one of my stars, but not this one. Uh, I thought uh, the first fight that Magomed Ankalaev, so he knocked out Ian Kutalaba. They fought earlier in the year yeah. and ended in a controversial stoppage. So they've been jawing at each other for quite a while, and that Ankalaev – uh, won very decisively, knocked him out. Uh, second round, I think. Yeah. No, first round. First was round. First round. Late first round. Yeah. Uh, that was that one was rather impressive. Uh, then women's fight. Lauren Murphy beat Lily uh, Shakarova by submission. The Shakarova, they were hyping her up as one of the next up-and-coming prospects. From and Uzbekistan? Yes. If you guys Didn't missed really... that fight, by the way, she looked like Justin Bieber with black hair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like one of the Beatles fresh off the boat. <laughs> <laughs> but where it mattered in the octagon, she didn't show up. So uh, Murphy won that with a nice submission. Uh, the next one, Phil Hawes making his UFC debut at middleweight and he had an 18 second knockout over Jacob Malkoon. Uh, I, they replayed the whole fight because it was only 18 seconds and pause literally did not get hit once in that fight. So 
that was that was fun to watch. Uh, Alexander Volkov won by TKO over Walt Harris. Harris, we've talked about him before. He's gone through some personal struggles with his stepdaughter, that whole murder situation. He's one of those good guys you just keep rooting for, and he's he's struggling to put together wins here at, at heavyweight. Didn't he fight a light heavyweight before? Possibly, yeah. been. Either way, he's. I think that's a, that's at least two losses in a row for him. It is two in a row. He's, he hasn't won since everything happened. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, the Whitaker Cannoneer fight, and nothing too overly exciting in that fight for me. It's somewhat boring. Whitaker did win by decision. That was the only fight on the main card that uh, went to the judges. And then the big one. So. Khabib Nurmagomedov won in submission, triangle choke over uh, Gaethje. Um, he, I don't know, he continues to impress me, Nurmagomedov does. It doesn't seem to matter what type of opponent you throw at him. Guys that they think will be good at wrestling, you know, might counter his, his ability on the mat or this is... Gaethje's known for his striking. He could probably be a pure boxer and be pretty good at it. And we've seen a couple strikers against Nurmagomedov, and it doesn't seem to doesn't seem to matter. The guy just finds a way to win. And I know Gaethje was throwing some leg kicks that kind of he had one. I think he stumbled a little bit that led to the takedown, which is what it is. You got to give Khabib credit for taking advantage of that. But man, once Khabib gets you on the ground, he is just nearly impossible to beat. Nearly impossible to survive, I should say. It only in took fact, him one mission attempt. Yeah. I mean, he had him down. He got yeah, Gage down at the, the end of the first round, but there's only about 20 seconds left when he got him down. And if, if that had happened with a minute or instead of 20 over. seconds, it probably would have been over in the first round. He's – I mean, he's an animal. And uh, big news, obviously, he retired right after the fight. Um so he goes goes out at twenty nine and zero. Were you surprised by that at all? Uh, so I hadn't. Yes, yes, I was. Um, you had mentioned he kind of hinted at it earlier in the week, which I missed that. I didn't hear any of that. So, uh, yeah, he he's still relatively young. I think he's thirty one ish, and he's clearly still at the top of his game. I, I thought without knowing that he had hinted at it, I thought he would stick around for a little while or at least try to get to 30 and 0. 30. I know it's only one fight, but 20, 29 and over versus 30 and 0. To me, there's somewhat of a big difference there when you're looking at somebody's overall record to get 30 MMA wins without a loss. This would have been crazy. So, yeah, I was a little surprised by that. But. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't. I guess I didn't expect it, but when he, uh, he announced it, I saw him start to take off the gloves and I'm like, he's going to throw these in the middle of the ring. Yeah. Yep. And then when he did it, I, I was like, I guess I kind of see it. He comes from a different culture than all of us are used to. Yeah. The whole like Dagestan and Russia and stuff. And uh, yeah, I guess I'll never quite understand it. I understand mm. your father died. I'm not going to try to understand it. I'm not going to question it. I'm not going to question mm. his religion, his beliefs. For us, it's extremely weird. I mean, if one of our parents died, I wouldn't quit my job if that was my job. I understand you fought and you grew up doing with your dad. 
it was so in that part it was a little like mm, really i don't i wouldn't also be surprised i'm not gonna say i i don't think he's done done but at the same yeah. time if uh, two years from now or a year from now we find out he's coming back it wouldn't shock me either um so to kind of stick with the Khabib thing, I just want to give – I know we talked last week, and Russ, you thought I was – I didn't like really like him. It wasn't so much I didn't like him. Um, I just – I really thought Gaethje was a good matchup. Things that I were was surprised with was Gaethje's inability to stop a takedown. It looked – I know Khabib is extremely good on the ground, but it looked way too easy and effortless. Because when you watch Khabib wrestle, none of that looks like – very like very technical it's just wrestling and grappling and sometimes you'd think well if these guys are strong enough they should be able to counter that or at least some sort of attempt to counter it or stop stuff a takedown and it just looked like it was effortless and yeah when he landed that leg kick that was what was impressive to me he almost knocked Khabib on his ass with that leg kick and then went straight into a takedown Khabib yeah. I think at that point was starting to feel his leg kicks in his knee because the leg was getting red and it was he'd stumbled a couple times and he took a couple of those shots. So that was impressive to me that he went from literally almost falling on his ass on a leg kick to into a takedown and the match was over. Um, I don't know if you guys heard this earlier this week. I think it was yesterday. Khabib had said that he heard earlier this week that Gaethje had mentioned that he would never tap. You could put him in, he's like, I'm not gonna tap at all. He had him in an arm bar and took it straight to a triangle choke because he said he didn't want to hurt Gaethje in front of his parents who were in the crowd because he knew that he heard that Gaethje said he wasn't going to tap. So he knew if he put him in the triangle, he would just choke him out. He'd go to sleep and he'd be fine because he didn't right. want to hurt him. Because the only way to get out of that without tapping an arm bar is that your arm breaks. Yeah. So the, the guy's level of jiu-jitsu when he's underground is clearly higher than most people think outside of his grappling. It was impressive. So my next question to all of you is the, the the conversation this week has been Khabib is the greatest of all time. And I want your honest opinions of whether or not you think Khabib is the greatest of all time, the GOAT, whatever you want to call it. And then I'll give you my take on it. Before we get into that, I've, did you think Gaethje did tap before he went out? I he thought did. he submitted. He tapped I twice. thought he tapped. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was a little pissed off at the ref. I mean, it's fine. It's whatever. But he tapped twice right in front of the ref. I don't know if he was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. I, I was kind of wondering what the ref was looking like, looking at there, I should say. Yeah, because he clearly tapped like twice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You guys go ahead with the goat question. I'll get to that after. Well, two things first. One, it – the fight went basically how I thought it would, except a lot faster. Uh, second, whenever I hear retiring and fighting, it, it seems like such a loose term. It's almost like I'm taking a sabbatical. Like, I, I think there's no doubt that we will see Khabib again. It's just a matter of when. The question of GOAT, I think, comes down to if that comeback happens. I think we need to see that comeback. We need to see more out of him than what we have what that might be is open to interpretation. Is it going to a different weight? Is it waiting for another top contender to come along to go and defend against? Because I, I just think that what we've seen out of him isn't enough of a challenge. We haven't seen enough close fights to say, 
he really was put to the test here. And I think to be the greatest of all time, you have to be put to the test. There has to be someone that's a really top contender that gets him close so we can see what he's like. Because I think he keeps getting fights. And even if they're great fighters, maybe they're not their best performances because it seems like every time, even when he's against a top-level fighter, we have this second-round submission. I mean, a week ago, you were, you guys were – I don't know whose team you were all on, but I don't think that you would have predicted Gaethje to be over that fast. You would have thought it would come down to the wire. So that's my only thing on the GOAT talk. So yeah, I, I'm going to – I. So I'm going to – I obviously I don't watch MMA as much as you guys do. Um, just looking at – obviously, if you look at records and stuff, he's obviously got to be in the debate. Um, I don't – I don't. like I said, I don't know enough about MMA to know if he truly is the greatest of all time, but I'm guessing he's got to be top three. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I expected – I was – obviously, I was glad he won won me some money for the parlay, but um, the end of it, but uh, one like a shitload of money. <laughs> so I had a four game part four match, I guess, for however you want to say it, parlay and won it with could be winning at the end. Um, but so I was, I was, I mean, yeah, I don't know. At least I don't watch MMA enough to, to give you the, whether he's the goat or not, but um, I think he's definitely got to be in the debate top three or so. Um. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying, Taylor. With the, you know, he hasn't been dragged to the deep waters to see what he does there. We haven't seen but him you, on his back you, close to submission. We haven't seen him almost get knocked out. It's just right. still that you could also, you could also kind of argue the flip side of that. That you know, his last three fights with Gaethje, Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, these were all guys that many people thought would take him down. And yet in those three fights, he didn't allow them to even get close to it. But um, to me, John Jones is still the greatest fighter of all time. It's not Khabib. Um, I would put George St. Pierre second. And then that three through fifth, to me, you could kind of throw whatever order you want with Anderson Silva, Stipe Miocic, and then Khabib. Um He's the, the dude's 29 and 0. I don't, I don't think he's even before MMA, he's probably never lost a fight in his life in any shape or form. So, is he in the conversation? Absolutely. Is he better than John Jones? No. Uh, especially when you look at their UFC record and title defenses. So, I still put John Jones first, GSP second, and then Khabib is in that third through fifth conversation in my opinion so i agree with russ 100 percent here <clears throat> i tried looking into some of this stuff before we got on here um i think it's hard to crown someone the goat in mma considering you have it's hard to do it any sport but when you start to do an mma when you have weight classes where guys will never fight each other yes but then you can go back generations then you're gonna have guys and say well gsp was the greatest you might even hear some say Matt Hughes was one of the greatest. Jose Aldo, one of the greatest. Had Jose Aldo just turned around and retired before fighting Connor, we're having the same type of conversation we're having about Khabib. I think the Khabib conversation, it's fresh in our mind. He's 29 and 0. Khabib has 13 fights in the UFC. So, yes, I will not take away from the undefeated record, but only 13 fights in the UFC. 
is not that great of a feat, I guess, considering some of these guys have, you know, 30 some fights in the UFC. Yeah. Uh, I have seen a lot of social media this week about John and I'm not being biased here because we're John Jones fans, uh, a lot in the media about giving John a hard time about him criticizing the goat conversation. John's got a legitimate argument here okay. and for a few reasons. Uh, like I said, Khabib's only got 13 fights in UFC, four title defenses. And some rebuttal of that argument was, well, he didn't get a title shot. Well, that, that was Khabib's problem because he chose not to fight. Khabib always put Ramadan ahead of fighting, even though I believe you can look it up. I believe Ramadan's, what, April to May? It's right around that time. It's a month. He always used that as a reason that I'm not fighting during Ramadan, but he also uh, has multiple fights in April. He just chose not to fight. So if you just don't want to fight and you don't have the title, Dana's not going to give you a title shot. And the reason you don't have a title shot is because you have 13 fights in UFC now. So you've had before the 13, he had what, nine, somewhere in there. You have nine fights in the UFC, eight fights before you started talking title shot. And then at that time, you got guys like Tony Ferguson going on 12 fight win streaks who are lobbying for a, a match. You had guys like Conor McGregor. The whole division was congested there. He had no fights in 2015, and he was, he was technically on the UFC roster. Uh, he won the belt by beating Al Iaquinta in a uh, five-round decision, and Iaquinta was a day-before decision because Ferguson got hurt or couldn't fight. I believe it was Tony who got hurt. So yes. he filled into the fight, and then that's how that started. My argument is Silva. Anderson Silva, I mean, he's, he has not been – his last eight fights, one win, six losses, one no contest. What if Silva walks away after he breaks his leg? We're talking about Anderson Silva being the greatest of all time. We're not talking about how he, you know, he, he never came back from the, from that and was never the same. And those those seven fights were after he broke his leg. Yep, eight fights. So when I when I think of Silva in the greatest of all time debate, I pretty much ignore the last four years. Exactly, because he is what he's got to be what 41, 42 years old now. Which by so the he's way, kind of in that, he's in that category of guys that are fighting for the love of the sport, not because he's exactly. still an elite talent at his age. Um, I mean, what he was, what the middleweight champ from what, like 2006 to 2013 or something like that. He had the most title offenses until John broke that record. Yeah. Broke or tied yeah. at one of the two. Yeah. So to me, when I think about the greatest of all time kind of debates, I think you got to look at their, truly their prime and how unbeatable they were in their prime. And I think Love. Taylor's you're onto something when you say, well, we didn't see enough of him. We didn't see enough of him in the UFC. And it well, was kind of I his think, choice as well. He could have fought more. He just did not I think once you bring up someone like John Jones or Anderson Silva, and then you compare them to Khabib, the dominance might, might be sort of parallel. But when you think about John Jones, you don't just, think about grappling and you don't just think about striking skill set he's so great at both he's so well-rounded but when you say Khabib you don't think striking you think grappling and I think to be that goat conversation you have to be well-rounded there was some maybe, other stuff maybe that's that a defense was, I was uh, there was other shit mentioned this week on social media like well you know 
talking about John and John, the people were arguing with John, like, oh, you failed the drug test or you got DWI. It reminds me of like the Heisman debate. We don't award the Heisman based on ethics, which is the mm-hmm. biggest crock of shit ever when they strip it from somebody. We don't, uh, we don't crown somebody the greatest of all time, at, whether it be at any sport, based on them serving soup at a soup kitchen or some stuff they did off the field. They had other awards for that. When we talk about guys getting in the ring. We're talking about their skill set in the ring. I think all of us would say at one Tyson probably might be considered one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. You want to talk about not having a clean record, right? <laughs> I mean, there's a great example. I mean, he's no saint. And I mean, I, Russ, you'll appreciate this. I mean, John tweeted earlier something about, you know, guys that Khabib hadn't really fought. And he, he does have to a degree as a point. His last few fights have been very well-known people. But I look back at John's run from 2011 to 2013 when he cleaned out the division, he beat Cormier, Rashad Evans, who Rashad Evans was, he was the man to beat because he knocked out Chuck Liddell, who was at the time unbeatable. Rampage Jackson, who said, I'm going to smoke this kid. And then after the fight said, I'm in the best shape of my life. That kid's the real deal after he got choked out. He beat Gustafson now twice in his career. He beat DC twice in his career. He beat Shogun Rua in his prime. He beat Machida. He choked him out standing up when they thought Machida was the man who was going to beat John. And then he beat Ryan Bader, who is yet to be heard from because he fights at Bellator, and I think he's a champ over there now. But when he beat Ryan Bader, Ryan Bader was 12-0 and and was fighting for the belt. And then he came back and cleaned out the division again when he beat DC and he beat Gus and beat those guys. As far as Khabib being the goal, I'll never crown it. I'm not going to take it away from him. I, I agree with Taylor. We, we didn't see enough. He might be one of the greatest on the ground we'll ever see. But as far as a go, I'll, I don't think I can crown anybody. I still think if you had to, gun to my head, pick somebody, balls of the fire, it's John just because of what he did. And even his one loss shouldn't even be a loss. Yeah. Um, there's just so many other guys out there you could talk about. And then I don't know if you noticed, Cormier put out a list. You'll love this, Ross. Did you see his list? No. Cormier's list of greatest of all time. Khabib, GSP, Demetrius Johnson, himself and Cejudo, and then Nunez. <laughs> so, how do you put yourself on that list and you lost twice to the, yeah, to John? Yeah, that's yeah. Take that with a big old grain of salt. Well, if I'm making a list, I'm putting myself on it, I guess. Sir, and Cejudo. <laughs> Why is Cejudo on this list? The guys won six fights in the UFC. So who was a clown? Greatest clowns of all time. That was. <laughs> you see me tweet him the other day? I, dude, I can't stand him. No. First of all, his head's too big for his body. And then he posts a video like you, you're done. You're, you claim you're retired. And he posts a video of him flying on an airplane, talking shit to people. It's like, dude, shut the fuck up unless you're going to get back in the ring and fight. You want to post yeah. that stuff? You want to promote a fight? You want to call somebody out because you want to fight? By all means, do that. Social media is there for that platform. You're going to sit around and talk shit and then not show up and fight? Just shut up. No one cares. Yeah. Like, Also, there's a height limit and you don't meet it, you little midget. So <laughs> I just can't stand that shit. Like, Con- but Connor's the same way. We hear Connor chirping all the time. It's like, dude, get your ass in the ring then. Like, stop chirping. And you watch. Connor's going to resurface. It's already been talked about. He's going to fight Poirier, which was my next question. Where do you guys think the lightweight division is going to go from here? But I knew as soon – like, he chirped a little bit. He gave Khabib his props on his way out the door. But you know damn well that 
if if nothing had been said and Khabib retires, Connor was gonna be right there knocking on Dana's door, like, hey, I want a title shot. And Connor's currently like fourth in the rankings in the, in that division, and I'm trying to figure out how. His last win was Cowboy Cerrone. So, Ross, where do you think the division goes from here? Well, yes, I think so. Connor technically retired. Um, but yeah, you've got this talk of him fighting Poirier. They were talking about some sort of charity match, but I think it's now evolved into a legitimate UFC lightweight fight, if, if I'm understanding that correctly. So you got, to me, you got Connor and Poirier. You've get, still got Gaethje. Gaethje's still there. Yep. A- anytime you lose. So we're having this debate about Khabib, greatest of all time. So the, the fact that we're even mentioning him in, in, in that breath, if you lose to him like Gaethje does, like Gaethje did, I, to me, that doesn't knock you way down the pedestal because you lost to somebody who's in the argument of greatest fighter ever. Right. So Gaethje, Gaethje's still there. And then I haven't done a ton of research on him, but there was this Chandler guy that traveled over there. So uh, forgetting his first name, last name Chandler. Michael He's Chandler. apparently Michael Chandler, apparently one of the best lightweights in the world who – just recently signed a UFC contract and he actually traveled, traveled over to fight Island. He went through the weigh-in process, made weight, and he was the emergency fighter in case Khabib or Gaethje got hurt or couldn't fight for any reason. So right now I've got those four, four fighters on my mind. If, if McGregor Poirier turns into a legitimate UFC lightweight fight and not a charity exhibition to me, I have those two fight. I have Gaethje and this Chandler guy fight. And then the winners of those two fights fight for the belt, in my opinion. And I would even try to get Gaethje, depending on Gaethje's medical suspensions, if he has any, I would try to get Gaethje and Chandler on that same card as Poirier McGregor. I think that's end of January, right? Yeah. And Gaethje mentioned something about he wants to go in like six to eight weeks. And Chandler is literally coming off from, I mean, he just made weight. He just went through a camp, made weight. Yeah. So it's not like yeah. he needs a full camp. So, I mean, even if you can't get him on that card, do they fight sooner than that just to fight? But I yeah. I, 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 I agree with you 100%. I think uh, Gaethje and Chandler, let him fight. Let's see if this kid's yeah. worth the hype, okay? Uh, then, yeah, those two, I think you let – and I think you let Poirier and Connor fight for the fight as well. I don't know if you put a belt on that. I don't know if Connor will fight. There's not a belt. I don't know. It's yeah. weird. I think you could argue that you could put a title fight on it just because Poirier lost to Khabib, but he's fought since and he beat the shit out of Dan Hooker, who was supposed to be the real deal. And yep. so he's coming off a win. So I'm fine with that. And Gaethje, like you said, you just lost to quote unquote the greatest in that division. So I think you let Michael Chandler and Gaethje fight. And then the other one I thought of is like take Dan Hooker, let him fight Ferguson. Let's start sorting out this division now that guys are going to fight. Let's see who's going to win, who's going to lose. Let's keep Tony from chirping on Twitter. You can fight Dan Hooker, who's coming off a loss. Ferguson's coming off a loss. Make or break for both of them, right there, in my opinion, because Ferguson he got he got his ass whipped by by Gaethje. So yeah, that was ugly. Uh, I'd like to see those two coming off a loss. Let those two fight. Kind of throw that in the mix, maybe throw that on the Connor card. I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's that division can start being sorted out now because 
with Khabib with the belt only fighting once a year, that's not going to help the division because the rest of those guys you, would fight and sit around and wait. Yeah. And I think Dana mentioned, I don't, I might have it wrong. I don't know. I listened to his press conference because somebody asked about Chandler and he said he needs a couple fights before he'll give him a title shot. Obviously that could, Dana can change his mind whatever the hell he wants, but um, yeah. he said he needed a couple fights to, to get that shot. I'm not a big fan of a new guy like Chandler coming in and immediately getting a title shot. I will admit that. Right. But the reason I don't a hundred percent believe Dana White saying that is had Gaethje got hurt, then fought. Chandler and Chandler and Khabib would have been fighting for the belt this past weekend. Oh, well, that's what I was, so was going to ask. Would they, if Chandler had to step in for Gaethje would it have been for the belt or would it just been another that, fight? I don't that, know how they do that, that. No, that absolutely would have been for the belt. Yep. You don't, you would never have a champ. You would never have a belt holder fight when the belt wasn't on the line. And if you're Chandler, like Russ and I talked about the other day, you probably got paid a lot of money just to fly 17 hours to make weight. Yep. Go through camp, right. make yeah. weight, and you're not stepping in that ring unless it's for the belt. Yeah. So Is if, it possible? If, if, oh, sorry. Is it possible but, that we Paul Felder come out? He said back in July that he's not really retired. He's waiting for the fight. Dude, Paul Felder's a great announcer, and he's been through yeah. some – Paul's been through some wars. He's got a uh, – It wasn't – July's not that far back. He says he's benching himself until he's ready for the right fight. And yeah, if they're going to start sorting things out, is the right fight going to come along? I don't know. I'd have to look and see if he's ever fought, but I could see like a Felder fighting Iaquinta. Iaquinta, though, I saw an interview with him. He sidelined for a while. You know, people – he said people have been accusing me of dodging fights. He goes, I – it's, I'm not dodging fights. I can't fight right now. He had surgery. So that'd be seven, rank seven against rank 10 or something like yeah. that. So. He's, uh, I Quintus hurt. He's, he can't even fight right now. He's not even cleared the fight. So he's like, people accuse me of dodging fights. I'm still technically rehabbing. I'm not, I haven't been cleared by a doctor to fight. I'd have surgery, either a knee surgery or something. What? So wasn't that, I'm, I'm looking at the rankings right here in front of me, that Charles Oliveira, wasn't he up there for a little bit? Did he get beat? And or is he just not? He just hangs out in the top five, and that's about it. Yep, gatekeeper. <laughs> no, he is. He's a, he's a gatekeeper. I mean, he can't. He probably. Yeah. He might not ever string enough, string along enough wins to be considered a contender, especially who you got up there at the top of that division right now. All right. So his, uh, Oliveira's last few fights. One was last was against Kevin Lee, and that was actually at a catchweight. 158 pounds. Jared Gordon, Nick Lentz, David Timer, Jim Miller. I mean, he hasn't fought any. He's got, he's out on a win streak. He's out of win streak. those names, so it's, it's not good. Yeah, he's on a win streak against, against a bunch of nobodies. So somebody like that is not up for the title in a really stacked division. This division is clearly one of the more stacked at the top right now than the others. You can't. You can't win a bunch against a bunch of nobodies and expect a, a title shot. So you'll to start, me, you'll get a to me, No, he's six yeah. eight months, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought I had something else. Oh, how come no one mentioned Ty Two of Asa? We didn't get to see his shoe. Yeah. yeah, we didn't get you. Get, you got me jacked up for it, and I didn't get to see it. Well, unfortunately, I wasn't at Flight Island to realize there was no beer in the arena. <laughs> <laughs> No, no fans, so you could, I guess. You put, you, yeah, you could put water in that, and I would have thrown up. No, yeah. not. And I was. That's why I sent you the video because. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that was gross. That's, that's, gross. All, that's all. That's the only fight I watch. But uh, this this weekend, don't forget. Depending on where my status is, uh, speaking of Anderson Silva, his last fight is this weekend. He's fighting your eye hall. It'll be his last fight. He said he's done after this. Um, yeah, one of the greatest. And he probably, if he would have hung it up after he broke his leg, no one would have blamed him. So, Oh, God, no. That was one of the worst injuries I've ever seen. Who's he fighting? Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall. Somebody who, when he came out of the Ultimate Fighter competition, Uriah Hall was kind of tagged as the next greatest ever. Then that did not materialize. I tell you what I want to see more of is this uh, Phil Hawes. Yes. That kid's nasty. Yes. I think he's knocked out everybody's touch. And like Russ said, he yeah. didn't even – they said, when do you want to fight again? He's like, I don't know. Whenever we go back to Vegas, which is this week. Which is this week. <laughs> he, li- he literally he literally he did does. not get hit. So, yeah. That's, that's my kind of fight. <clears throat> One where you don't hit your opponent. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. That's <laughs> – uh, let's move on to football. Week seven in the books. Uh, much better week on my end, betting wise. I put up two extra picks. Had seven this week. Went five and two. What are you guys' takeaways from football this week? Uh, the goods, Cowboys the bad. Suck. Cowboys do suck. Yep. <laughs> and then they got worse. <laughs> yeah. Um. I didn't watch a ton of football this weekend other than sleeping through half the Bills game because that was boring. And then watching this. Dude, six, six field goals? Come on. Yeah, snooze fest. <laughs> when, when, when Bass missed the first field goal of the game, I was ready to text you guys and ask when the hell the Bills were going to look for a new kicker. He's – I don't know. I mean, he scored the only points for the team, right? But at the same time, I still feel like that kid is going to cost us down the stretch. Missed two other field goals. Yeah, he just does not look steady to me. Dude, it wasn't good. I was at my friend's house up in Buffalo. There's like four of us watching a game, and Kyle, Kyle texts me. He's like, "Get this guy out!" I was like, "I was like, oh fuck, guys, he misses it." Because my buddy, I don't know what he, I don't know what streaming he's got, but we were must spend about thirty seconds behind. Streaming <laughs> like, football like it. a fucking peasant. <laughs> hey, you got do what you got to do. But it was bad. I. Halftime. I mean, my buddy's not. We went out in the backyard and kicked field goals. I won't be. I, they won't be calling me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I mean, think it's your buddy's backyard. Uh, well, I was probably about thirty-five yards, yards, forty yards. Twelve yards. Good. <laughs> good enough to practice goal line plays. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, it's a win, right? But man, that game. Going against the Jets, that game should have been over at halftime. That should have yeah. been a blowout, yeah. Yeah. My big takeaway was, was it's nice to watch the Patriots lose. It's just, oh, I feel so good in my soul. How bad is Cam Newton? Dude, well, the Bills better my, not blow that this weekend. I was saying, yeah, if they fucking lose this weekend. We had talked before about who needs who. Does Tom Brady need Bill or does Bill need Tom? Do you guys want to update your your thoughts on that? Or? It's, it's be, yeah, Belichick needs Brady. Yeah, I mean I Brady's never would have thought that. I don't know. But Brady also has more weapons than they have in New England. True. But and he yeah. added one. 
Yes. <laughs> yes, he did. Yeah, the Antonio Brown update. So yeah, he went to went to Tampa. Apparently, I heard some people saying this was like shitty on Bruce Arians' part, Tampa's coach. He basically told him, "Hey, look, keep your shit together, or you're out of here. I want no distractions." And people were like saying that was wrong of Arians come down on him that hard. And I, oh, I, com- I completely disagree with those people. I would have told them the same yeah. thing. That would have been Look, the first conversation I had. You, you've been a headache yeah. the last four years everywhere you've gone. If you want to play football, come in and play football. But the first distraction, I'd get rid of your ass. I'd yeah. tell them the same thing. You started your bullshit with turning down the trade to Buffalo, and then you got frostbite in Oakland. Just That's how it all started. Yeah. So and he, they now Tampa's really glad they signed him since uh, Godwin fractured his finger or whatever. So he's yeah, out a couple weeks. Today. So obviously not that they need another weapon, but um, that'll, that'll be, it'll be interesting to see this weekend. Well, I don't know how much we'll see of them this weekend since they played the Giants Monday night, but um, so probably won't see a ton of them, but um it, it, it'll be interesting how they work together. And obviously Brady and Brown work together for what a half. I don't know how long he played in that Miami game. Um, when he's in new England, but that was a nightmare. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Cowboys suck. If I were the Cowboys right now, I'd be on the phone with Miami. Yeah, <laughs> I would I'd be on the phone with Miami and say, Hey, can I have Fitzpatrick? Hey, stat, yes. guy. stat guy, look something up for me because I don't want to look it up. Uh, Kirk Cousins contract in Minnesota. <laughs> uh, because I, th- I think it's over this year. I mean, not that he's a huge upgrade, but with those weapons, I, th- I imagine he's got to be better than what the hell they have now. So. In March, the Vikings and Cousins agreed to a two-year, $66 million extension. That oh, so we've got an extension. October yeah. 18th. I, I, have a, I have an inkling in how's, who's going to be gone out of Minnesota, and it's Kyle Rudolph. So what's going on right now in the NFL is the cap is fluctuating. So there's teams out there that have unbelievably a large amount of money over the cap space next year. Minnesota being one of them. So the rumor is Rudolph will be gone. He's like almost $8 million of the cap space next year. The other one I heard was Julio Jones is going to be gone. You don't be surprised if he gets shipped out before uh, the trade deadline because he's another one in Atlanta that's going to have a ton of cap space. Is the deadline, the deadline is this week or after this week, correct? Uh, it's close. It's coming up to this week or sometime around that. So yeah. there's yeah, a lot so of that, teams. They're saying a lot of teams that want to make trades though are going to do it at least a week earlier because anybody that's traded has to have, go through the COVID testing process. And basically they can't play the first week on their new team. So they're thinking, even though right. there's a hard deadline in the league, that teams would actually look to try to trade a week or two before that if they think they need help. Yeah. So yeah. it's next Tuesday, next Tuesday. A week from today. Yeah. There was already today. Cowboys traded somebody today. That means there'll be a lot of trades tonight. <laughs> yeah. Ever Everson dude, Everson Griffin to Taylor's boys, the Lions. Yep. Don't associate me with that dumpster fire. 
<laughs> and they got a W last week because Ty Gurley scored on accident. Yeah, exactly. Yikes. Which I don't understand. Like, I get being pissed off that he scored because he left time on the clock. But if your defense goes out and stops him, are we having the conversation? Right? No. It's like a that, minute left right, in the and, game. Yeah, and obviously we saw the same thing, which cost me some money Saturday with Penn State. Penn State ran in that same – we, we see that maybe like once a year, and we saw it Saturday and Sunday scoring and instead of just going down and kneeling, kneeling the, on the ball and getting the clock gone. Um, and obviously both teams, Atlanta and Penn State, ended up losing this weekend because of it. Um, it I don't know. It, it, so let me ask you guys this, because I don't know if you guys watched the Penn State game. That was one of the craziest endings to a game I've ever seen in my life because they – so Penn State scored, went up eight or whatever. Indiana went down, tied the game scored got two-point conversion well their kicker went to squib it with like 30 seconds left and he squibbed it 10 yards penn state recovers it so like penn state had a chance at the end of regulation to win it again because the indiana kicker just basically missed the kick but that so penn state scored that touchdown to go up by the touchdown put them up seven so they kicked the extra point to go up eight at that situation and I texted uh, my buddy this, who's a Penn State fan. I said, why don't you go for two? Go for two. Because if you miss it, you're still up seven. If you get it, it's a two-score game. Agreed. Now, that's not – yeah, that's not saying that – obviously, Indiana, they went to overtime. Indiana went for two anyways to win it. So, that's not saying Indiana doesn't go down and score and then go for two anyways. But if you go for two and get it, especially with that momentum on your side, you're up nine with – 30 seconds, you know, or a minute left, whatever it is. See that? I didn't watch any of the Penn State game. <clears throat> I was a little disappointed in you for betting on Big Ten football when it hasn't been played yet this year. Eh. Well, I mean, I got nothing else to lose. I just never can trust Big Ten football. I know everybody loves it, but I just, there's just, I watch very I mean, little college football, and I think Big Ten football is just a tad overrated. Yeah, I'm not a Personal big fan football. of the Big Ten, but. I thought Penn State would run away with that game, but apparently not. Um, what I don't know. Yeah, but going back to the NFL, this weekend was, I don't know, interesting. I think we saw a lot of things. I think we're, I think we're starting to see divisions take shape. Um, obviously, the Bills have a two-game lead in the East. Steelers are kind of. Steelers and Ravens, obviously, we knew. Um, I, I still don't know anything about the Browns. Um, you can tell me what they, <laughs> what their record is at yeah. five and two or whatever it is, but you know they played two good teams and got absolutely destroyed. Um, and now with OBJ yeah. out for the year, yeah. that's a that's a big loss for them because Landry really hasn't been doing anything for them. Um, so I heard this question today, and I'll ask you guys. I was watching McAfee. And he was doing his Tuesday interview with Aaron Rodgers. And they were talking about, is there a pressure? Like, you got a guy like OBJ who's, who's now hurt. But, the, you know, he gets hurt. They started to play better from that point on. I mean, it was it was still early in the game. But the Browns and Mayfield, that's the best game Mayfield's had against anybody in probably ever. 
I mean, at one time, I think he had what, like 18 or 19 straight completions to the receivers. So do you think you got a guy like Beckham on your team? You think it's tougher for Mayfield to feel like he needs to force that ball because you have that guy in your team as opposed to going through your progressions and finding who's open? It's definitely, it's definitely got to be easier for Mayfield. And actually, going, I'll come back to the Browns, but uh, Sunday we were talking about that with the Bills is I don't think Diggs ever got targeted until a couple minutes into the second quarter. And, you know, does Allen feel the pressure of, you know, I haven't gotten the ball to Diggs yet. I need, I need to force it his way. So, so I think it going back to Mayfield, I think it definitely frees him up a little more because, you know, as soon as uh, OBJ doesn't get the ball, he's going to be bitching about it. So um, it, it definitely frees him up and it's got to feel a little easier for him. In, in, a, in a situation with Diggs, too, I, I think what we, what happened needed to happen. People are starting to figure Buffalo out. They can't run the ball right now. They're one of the worst running teams in the NFL. And I think they need to just make the switch to the Mo- Zach Moss. I think that kid, you need to just sink or swim. It's your ball, kid, man. Make it happen. And basically, Singletary be your, your in-and-out guy. you got to primarily give the ball to Moss. As far as receivers, you made a very good point. I felt like some of the throws were forced to Diggs because they've had that connection all year. But the bright side of that is they did everybody did see like, okay, if you're gonna double Diggs, I'm gonna throw it to Beasley and he's gonna tear you apart because Beasley yeah. had a very good game. And even when John Brown out, Gabriel Davis is a good wide receiver. So I think at the the positive of that is we they did other teams are gonna see like we can't just cover digs and shut them down. Like Beasley's going to get the ball and be Beasley. Yeah. But what's going to open things up is they need to start running the ball better. Yeah. And I saw Feliciano got activated today. Um, So I guess hopefully a good sign for that. Um, And I was shocked. They were sitting there Sunday watching a game and uh, buddy Mike, he's like, he's like, Oh, Allen's over 300. I'm like, there's no fucking way he's over 300. He had almost 400 yards <laughs> but, total offense, didn't he? I mean, but when you look back at it and think about it, they were moving the ball. Obviously, it just kept stalling down, you know, inside the 30 or whatever it was. But yeah. it, it's crazy to think about it. He threw for over 300. And obviously, did, I don't know what Beasley ended up, 130 yards or whatever Beasley ended up with. Yeah. So When you're killing drives because you're stalling out and then dumb penalties. I mean, I thought some of the penalties were pretty cheap. Not because I'm a Bills fan, but I've seen it all year in every game. I feel like I've watched the pass interference call they called in the first quarter on the Buffalo to give the Jets the ball at like the five yard <laughs> line. That was that was horseshit. That was a terrible yeah. call. Like that was so Mickey Mouse. Um, I don't know. It's it's an ugly win, but they got to get their shit together because I really want to see them just put put the Patriots in the dirt this weekend and just. I'm so tired of listening about how Cam Newton. So first week we didn't hear about how great Cam Newton was. They handed that guy Yo, the MVP on. crown after week yards. one. Jeez. He had 11 yards this week. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, football is shaping up. I did also hear today that it is totally possible because they have the extra spot in the playoffs this year. The entire NFC West could make the playoffs, the entire division, which is yeah, a bit. good and bad. Good for the NFC West. Good for other teams because if they all make it, 
they're just going to beat each other up probably at some point mm-hmm. and somebody's right. not going to have to play them. So. It, and I don't, I don't think, and so I know the thing about the Rams, because they were talking about this last night during the game. They, they're five and two now, but four of those wins are against the NFC East. So they really haven't played anybody. They lost to San Fran. I obviously beat the Bears last night and lost to the Bills. So they really haven't played anyone in that division yet. So it'll be interesting how that, that division is going to be fun. I wish they were, I wish we don't hear as much about the West Coast. Um, those Western divisions, but I think I think that division will be real exciting to watch coming down. I've seen it for weeks that I thought the Rams were overrated. I also thought the Bears were overrated. I tried to give them the benefit of the doubt because I kept looking at the numbers and you know reading all these articles how good the defense was, and then they made the Rams look really good last night. So yeah, <clears throat> I still think the Bears are frauds, and so are the Rams. We can put them both in that category, in my opinion. Let's move on to the World Series. Uh, game six happening right now. You, when we come on here, Adam said he hopes for game seven, but your prediction was game six. I, I did say Dodgers and six. Yeah. So um, I just like game sevens. Well, yeah. But and, I know what you and want to. I want to say Bueller Morton, but. So I've actually watched quite a bit of this World Series, and it's been extremely fun to watch. Game four might have been probably the best game so far in this series. But I want to talk about game two because we talked about it last week, and I know Russ is probably going to agree with me on this. The Dodgers made a decision. I thought it could come back at some point, maybe to bite them. I don't know. But game two, why would you throw a bullpen game? Game two. Like what happened to the days of you had – four quality starters and that's who's going to throw your first three to four games depending on how their outings went and you went right out game two and threw a bullpen game and you lost like why didn't they just throw Bueller I don't think I, well I, I agree with you both of you but I don't think the Dodgers think of Gonsolin as a bullpen guy but they, they he, said he, going in the game it was going to be a bullpen game. He, yeah, they started him and he threw, what, one or two innings purposely. Through like two innings. Yeah, so that, – and that's why – and obviously he hasn't – we talked about this right before we started recording. And he hasn't been great this year, and obviously he's okay now. They're only down one nothing, but um, he gave up runs both games he pitched against the Braves. I think games two and seven or whatever it was um, – but yeah, I don't. I, I just it's hard. I don't. I just don't know what the Dodgers what they what they think if he's. I mean, he's no Gonsolin's no slouch, I guess. Um, but I think they expect him to get him. You know, get them four to six innings when he goes out. Why wouldn't I mean? I think I would take my chances throwing Mueller game two, and having a, your odds of after seeing him throw game three, there was a good chance it could have been up two zero in a hurry. And now you're putting yeah, pressure on Tampa. And I'll let Russ step in here in a second. They, or is it because you know if you throw Bueller game three, you got him game seven in your pocket? See, that's the problem. Is I, I as a manager, I couldn't I couldn't think about what's going to happen in game seven. Yeah, why are you it, playing for game seven? Yeah, it's it's the World Series, man. Winner goes home, loser goes home, and I, I mean at that point, fuck the rest. 
you know, short notice, like, I I'm sorry, you, it's, this is it. Everybody goes home after this. So as a, I think as an athlete, you'd have to say, Hey, if I got to throw, I got to throw. Like if I got to pitch, I got to pitch because it doesn't matter what happens at this point. And if you feel like you don't have it then yeah, tell your manager, like, I don't have it. But I just, I can't get into during the world series. Like oh, I can't pitch on two days rest or three days rest. Yeah. And the, the one that sticks out at me, the reason this annoys me, cause I do these bullpen games annoy the shit out of me, but the Dodgers have Dustin May, who in the regular season started 10 games. He was a starting pitcher in the regular season. Started 10 games, had a 2.57 ERA, 44 strikeouts, to only 16 walks. He had a very good regular season in their starting rotation. And then the postseason rolls around, and they put him in the bullpen. He's only started one game in the, in the entire playoffs, and that was a bullpen game where they threw him one inning. So – to me, I assume Kershaw start game one. Yeah. 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 So you got Kershaw game one. I have no problem that they bump Bueller to game three. Why not start Dustin May game two? So then you go Kershaw, May, Bueller. And if you wanted or needed to start Gonsolin in four, game four, you could, or you go back to Kershaw. But they have these capable starters like Dustin May, who with no effort throws 100 miles an hour and could easily give you five innings, which even that's a ridiculous statement going back now comparing to 20 years ago when these starters would throw seven or eight innings. But mm -hmm. I, I just don't understand. I know you need live electric arms in the bullpen, but you got a guy that started all year for you. He's struggling in the playoffs now, but you can make the argument that that's because he's a starting pitcher and now you're putting him in these weird situations in the bullpen. So to me, I just don't know why they didn't come out with Kershaw, May, and Bueller games one, two, and three, and go with the traditional starting pitcher, and then figure well, it out from there. Yeah, I just looked. Yeah, Gosselin pitched an inning in a third game too. Right. Yeah, and and I don't know how you know, with with mentioning May. Um, I was I don't watch a ton of Dodgers games because they're usually on late, but I don't know. <laughs> you know, was was he? Because last night I think he threw a pitch at like one hundred two point five or I don't know it was something ridiculous that he threw a pitch at. I would just you know if he starts a game and you know he's just gonna start like during regular season, does he throw that hard all the time? I I don't know if he's well not not you know, that he, hard. He but... sits at like right if he sits at like ninety seven ninety eight. Yeah, so, he's still. You know, yeah, and to your point, Russ is is he not pitching well because he's trying to overthrow? Because that's what he pitched, I think, once or twice, maybe three times in the Braves series. And each time he came in, he seemed like he was just trying to overthrow the ball. Well, they've, he, probably, you know, told, they've probably told him, hey, you're only throwing one inning. Go out there and throw yeah. absolute gas. I'm, yeah. I'm sure. I th in my opinion, it's the whole situation. Yeah, he's a starting pitcher who's used to having that traditional, you know, starting pitchers will talk about having that hour, hour and a half to warm up before a game go through your routine. He's now taken out of that has to go in the bullpen and warm up as a reliever. And they've probably to your point told him, Hey, you're only throwing one inning or one trip through the lineup. You might as well leave right. it all out there on a the mound. So he probably is overthrowing because they've instructed him to do so. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it, I, I hate it. I really I, hate it. I knew this is going to fire us up. I love it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of bullpen games, and obviously I watch a lot of them this year because the Braves, well, they they had to because they literally didn't have starters to throw. Um, but it, it, that's a totally – not having starters to throw is an entirely different situation than having five starters and just not throwing them or throwing them, you know, in innings. That's yeah, a totally different had, situation. I remember when teams I had mean, like five starting pitchers and then they'd have to pick four of them as their – rotation well, for the playoffs and have one just kind of then you did throw one into the bullpen for middle relief or something that's what i was gonna say the dodgers the dodgers let um uh that left-handed korean pitcher that went to toronto Ryu. for yeah huge and ryu and they had another starting pitcher that they let walk last offseason they allowed i shouldn't say they allowed because it takes two parties right but they purposely didn't offer these guys contracts because they had such depth at starting pitching. And to my knowledge, they don't have any substantial injuries or anything. So how can a team that allowed two guys to walk two starting pitchers to walk in free agency now is struggling to put together three starters for the playoffs. I, I just don't get that. Yeah. Well, yeah. And one of their starters, I think that maybe this is what you're talking about Meta, who went to the twins. I think he led the AL and ERA yeah. this year. Yeah, um, obviously that was part. Yeah, that was part of the the best trade, but still, it's you know, it's it's just one of those things. Obviously, they would much. Don't get me wrong; you'd much rather have the best right now than Meta, but um, it's just yeah. you know, it's another arm that they've had or groomed, which is crazy. Yeah. Although, as I'm saying that, I'm realizing one of the arms they counted on was David Price that they got in the bets trade, and he opted out for the year, which right. I won't question anybody for doing that, but if you're David Price, you got to be a little pissed you're sitting at home right now instead of pitching, potentially pitching, you know, game six of the World Series. But or in his um, case, yeah, exactly. he would have been a game two, game three, or even game right. one. Right. I, I think the whole thing I keep questioning as I go back to the Dustin May thing, this kid starting pitcher all year, and now you're like refusing to start him in the playoffs. Yeah, well, I go I, away I from what's worked for you. Yeah, I don't to get you to that. this point. Yeah, I just so, I don't I hate the whole bullpen thing, and I and it, it actually ended up biting me because I, like you said, the, the Dodgers don't consider him a a bullpen guy, and I didn't anticipate they were gonna be like, oh, we're gonna throw a bullpen game, and like I made my picks for the day based on the fact that the Dodgers and they were gonna throw a starting pitcher, and then like all of a sudden because they take forever to release sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes like who's gonna start, and then it came out like the next morning. <clears throat> there and then i think it was that afternoon that's when they were like yeah he's only he's gonna be a bullpen i'm like they're just want a bullpen game game two like do that game four or five like if you know what i mean you you have to but you mean to tell me you don't have no starting pitchers to start a starter game two same thing I'm just, so i'm just looking through the roster that julio urias a left-handed dominican dude uh no mexican excuse me same thing. He, <laughs> uh, not trying to be funny. I don't want to. Same thing. He he started ten games in the regular season. A little bit worse numbers in May of three three point two seven ERA. But point being, he had ten starts in the regular season, and he has not started a game in the playoffs. So between May and Urias, they could have one of those guys start game two and give you five or six innings. At least more than one in a third. Or throw them both for the whole game. Have one of them throw five innings, the other throw four. Get through the game with those two guys. Yeah. Yeah. And Maybe. so let me ask you this. Go ahead. Finish up. No. 
I uh, just going to say, maybe this is why I'm not a major league manager. But... <laughs> maybe this is why you should be. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're thinking about this all wrong. Um, so if you're the Dodgers, obviously they're down one nothing now. If this is a tie game or they're up, it's seventh inning. Do you bring Bueller in to try to close that down with three innings left? Or do you, and then you could, yeah. No, no, I don't. Even if you have the lead? Yeah. I, he's, to me, yeah, you want to do everything to win, but he's the one guy that probably can't throw tonight. You can't, you, if something goes wrong and then you have no options for tomorrow, that's worse than, that's worse than blowing the game tonight and at least having Bueller, who you could argue might be the best pitcher in this series, thrown tomorrow. So, and you uh, got you got two stars in your bullpen. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, A, you've got – you don't want to use him up. And, B, he's spent his career building games up, not closing them out. So you're at the end of the World Series. You're going to put in a guy that's not used to closing and finishing out games. I mean, it just think- seems like – You've got guys that are specialists at that. Why are you going to – I don't know. It just seems like that's so far out in left field to pull them in at that point. You see it in games like six or seven if games, you know, like most more so seven. You see that, but because I think it's it's literally like winner goes home, loser goes home. So you're going to do everything you can to throw. Right. So you could go – the only reason I'm thinking is if – so – I don't know if I do it with a one-run lead. If I have a two- or three-run lead, I think I'm bringing Bueller in in the eighth. But if he doesn't – if he isn't able to close that down, you can throw Urias tomorrow, and then you can bring Kershaw in after on three days rest. I was just going to ask what Kershaw didn't throw games five. Two days, oh, it's two days rest, right? Kershaw threw game threw five, game so five. He- he threw two days ago. He threw five plus innings. I, yeah. I would bring so, Kershaw but, in tonight before I bring. So you maybe in. okay. So maybe Kershaw because obviously right they this season is obviously entirely different. They haven't you know Kershaw hasn't thrown two hundred and fifty innings this year. Mm. So you're right. Yeah. So you have you haven't thrown as much as you normally do in a season. So I think those guys. I think you can throw them a little more with this. You know, tomorrow being the absolute last game of the season. Yeah. Or obviously it could be tonight. So, yeah, yeah. yeah if, I think I think one I think one of those guys you got to bring in tonight if you have yeah. the lead. If you're I, up, but if you're up, uh, if you're down like they are right now, going into late late innings, pitching's clearly yeah, not no. your problem. If you're down one nothing, so yeah. No, I I agree that you bring one of them in. Like you said, in my opinion, you can't screw yourself in in game seven situation. As much as I hate bullpen games. I do not want to go into game seven with a bullpen game. So right. I'm to me, Bueller's the only guy that's off limits tonight. I I would be willing to throw Kershaw in game or innings eight and nine tonight, especially since, you know, you don't go on sentiment, but he's kind of been that guy that's been beaten up in the playoffs. A lot of that has to do with the Astros. You can make the argument, then their cheating scandal. It'd also be kind of cool to see Kershaw close out the World Series win. Yep. But so, I bring I bring Kershaw on tonight and save Bueller for tomorrow if that if game seven happens. So that's a good transition. Another question I have for you guys. Has he obviously there's been talk what I don't know, last five years, Kershaw struggles in the playoffs. Has has what he's 
done already in the postseason. I would say I, and I know Russ is on the same page I am. Kershaw is probably one of the, I don't know, I'm going to throw a number out, probably top 10, top 15 pitchers of all time. He's, he's very good. I'd say he struggled a little bit in the postseason. Um, does what he's done so far some help alleviate what he's, what they say he struggled with? Or does he have to win the world? Does he have to win a World Series to kind of stop that? I mean, he's what two and zero in a World Series. He's two yeah. and zero in a series. Or, yeah. Has yeah. he has he lost any games in the playoffs? Uh, I mean, I, he, he he's been pretty solid in the playoffs. He definitely has not lived up to that. He's you know <clears throat> that he's been like a poor performer in the playoffs, like they claim in previous years. I think Russ just kind of mentioned it. I mean, I think it, it, if he goes 2-0 in this World Series and they don't win the World Series, you can say, hey, Kershaw showed up this year in the playoffs. He showed up in the World Series. And then, you know, in the same breath, he didn't show up in previous years. And then you might get the rebuttal like Russ just said. Well, he also played the Dodgers, who in their whole cheating scandal, and you can always throw that in there. Yeah. I mean, he – for my money, he's the best pitcher of my adult generation watching baseball. When you look at his whole body of yeah. work, he is yep. clearly clearly a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, a few seasons ago, he had when he he was about to set the record for like most strikeouts with less than ten walks or something to start a se- He had something stupid like a hundred and sixty strikeouts to like eight walks or something. The guys, he's the best pitcher of my generation that I've watched. There's probably some people that would argue he's, you know, top three best left-handed pitchers ever, probably behind Koufax and somebody else I'm forgetting. Uh, I'm glad, Tom Glavin, obviously. <laughs> Randy Johnson. Oh. <laughs> yeah, top five, we'll say. He's – but – um. Does the World Series help him? Yeah, absolutely it does. Um, his, I don't know, his postseason struggles, yes, he struggled, but it doesn't tarnish my view, overall view of him, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, anytime you win a ring versus playing your whole career without a ring, certainly it helps. But Yeah, I would say he's – I'm just trying to look up when his contract actually ends with the Dodgers – He's 32, so it's not like he's 37. Um, yeah, he's next I mean, he's still, year. I, I think 2021 is his last year right now. I mean, I would think he's still got, you know, he's still got a couple good years left in him. I don't envision him in any other uniform, but that isn't necessarily realistic these days, the way sports are played, but right. Chase's yeah. money. So it's crazy. He's $93 million contract extension is what he signed. Yeah, as I said, I'm trying to find the, I'm trying to find the years to make sure that it was the money. The money thing is probably not the issue for him. He is, he has yeah. been paid handsomely. If anything, I could see the opposite where he would say, you know what? I want to be a Dodger for life. And, I'll sign a one-year extension for one million or something like that. Right. Yeah. So I think his he, contract he had, is up after next year. 
So he had a few years before some of these mega contracts came in. He had a few years where I believe he was the highest paid player in baseball in the early yeah 2010 decade. I yeah, think it was close. Let's see if I can find past contracts here. Yeah. I think there were a few years he was making 25 to 30 million. He was make so he in 2014 he signed a seven year 215 million for just over 30 million a year. So he had to been close to the top. Yeah, so he's he's chasing legacy and he wants to go down as the Dodgers, one of the Dodgers' greatest ever. I don't think I don't think we'll see him in a different uniform. Certainly not about money, right? Unless he's made Mike Tyson decisions with his two hundred fifteen million. <laughs> but yeah, way about Lee. I, I got yeah, a little he's different he's, different perception of him than Mike Tyson. Tiger <laughs> King part he, two. <laughs> he, he's he's close to being over four hundred million career earnings. Decent. Not bad. That's all right. <laughs> um, college basketball, Adam, you want to throw us with an update? Yeah, we got um, college basketball starting November 25th. Um, some conferences have, have started releasing schedules in the past couple of days. Big 12 released. The Big 12 was the first Power 5 conference to release um, their schedule, so they're looking close. And there's some rules on number of games it's like 24 games plus you can play in like a, those preseason tournaments um so they've limited the number of games so that they can make sure that they get everything in by march because they have already kind of put some bubble i'll say bubble feelers out there um and they've trademarked uh battle in the bubble i think is what they're calling it um so they're they're kind of ready to go um and i know orlando is actually hosting eight of the Obviously, they have those preseason small tournaments throughout the country and, you know, everywhere um, in November. Um, so, I think Orlando is actually hosting eight of those so the teams don't have to travel too far. And, obviously, they've got the bubble set up already, basically, you can say, from the NBA. Um, so, they're kind of they're kind of hosting a lot of those. Um, so, it'll be interesting. But, I don't, I'm obviously being a big college basketball fan. I'm, I'm excited for the end of November. Um, usually, it would be starting next week. Um, so, it's not too much of a delay on their part. I mean, they'll play roughly probably eight to 10 games less during the regular season than they would normally play. So, so I, I think teams would be happy. Usually the first three weeks you play like the shitty, I don't want to call them shitty, but they feel like somewhat meaningless tournaments that, you know, really don't matter. So if you start yeah. three weeks late and play the games that matter, that's what all that matters. Yeah. yeah, I think most most of the big conferences are going to be like eight, 18 or 20 game regular season schedules. So, yeah. Yeah, usually first weekend you get like Duke warming up against like Bob's Fire Fireman Academy or something like that. And it's <laughs> 112 to 14 at halftime. So that's, that's what they schedule in January too. That's just Duke. <laughs> All right, you guys want to move I'm on bummed. to, and we'll have to uh, come up with some stuff for college basketball. I have some ideas, probably closer to like March Madness and stuff. But, uh, oh, I have something real quick before we move on to stars. I sent it to you in the text messages. It's a friend from more of an acquaintance, but sort of a friend from school. Taylor's got had, buddies. Yeah. At one point <laughs> in my life, I have friends. Malik Taylor. Yeah, yeah. For the Malik Taylor for the Green Bay Packers scored his first touchdown. We had accounting and public speaking and whatnot together. Did he copy off you? Uh, no, he didn't actually. <laughs> no, 
Taylor copied off him. I probably should have. He's gotten a lot further than I am, clearly. <laughs> he has different talents, Taylor. I guess. Yeah, go. I just thought that was important to throw out there because that's a huge. No, it's cool. Nope. Um. Yeah. Dude, that's not thing. College, college football. I feel like it's back. I feel like it's some good games. Same thing. They're playing like uh, they're not playing the, the bullshit games. Like, let's just play the right. games that matter. All right, let's move on to stars. Um, I have three stars this week and a dud. Ooh. I just can't get I can't get away from this dud stuff. So whoever wants to go first, go ahead and ramble off your first star. Uh, I guess I'll start. Oh, okay. I just feel go bad. Ahead. I've been been stealing your stars lately, but um, I'm gonna give a shout out to DK Metcalf. Um, in this age of players flopping and putting in no effort, Metcalf pretty much did the opposite. So if you follow basically anybody in any sports outlet on social media, you saw his hustle play. Uh, Buda Baker. Russell Wilson started running after him and gave up because he thought it was a lost cause. Then you see Metcalf going like Usain Bolt right past him. Um, so tackled him. It actually saved him four points because Arizona ended up with a field goal instead of that touchdown to end the half. So I don't know. Arizona didn't even score. I thought they kicked field goal there. No, they went for on fourth down and didn't yeah, get it. Yeah, they didn't score. Okay. Either way, in this age of flops and minimal effort. It was nice to see a guy going balls to the wall on a play like that. Uh, I'll go. Bye. You want, all right. Before you steal a star. Uh, I'm going to go. My third star of the week is going to be Khabib. Uh, might be one of the best we've ever seen on the ground. Uh, congrats on retirement. If that's what you choose to do. I'm not sure. I will entirely believe we've seen the end of you. Um, I know you've got a lot of money, but money will bring you back. So, got paid 10, 10, 10 sheets million. for that fight Saturday. Plus pay per view. Yeah. Is that what it ended up? I, I saw it was like 6 million and then plus whatever pay per view was or something like that. I read 10 million plus pay per view. Yeah. Okay. Either way, it was a payday. Yeah. Um, I'm going third star, Kyler Murray threw for 360 three touchdowns had a pick and also ran for 67 and a touchdown in the win against seattle sunday night which was one hell of a game to watch that was was a fun game Uh, so kyler murray third star my star of the week goes to boston scott for his game winning touchdown and what i consider to be a game of the duds which for some reason was completely <laughs> compelling to me to watch those two teams play. Uh, funny enough, we got the star and the dot out of that game. So wait for that. But it was exciting to watch it come down in a game like that to come down to the last 30 seconds and see a great reception for a touchdown earns my star of the week. So I want to add to your uh, star of the week. He had, there was a prop bet for him that night. And it was over. Oh, shit, I got it's over there. It's written down. It was like over 75 or 74 and a half yards 
receiving, rushing and receiving. And he was at 74 yards before that play. So that 18-yard oh, pass to win the game pushed that bet to the over, that prop bet to the over. Nice. Wait, so, Taylor, are you, are you pumped for the Eagles-Cowboys Sunday night? <laughs> if it's on, I'll probably be excited about it. Someone's going to be on, on for me to be excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my second star of the week, we've already talked about uh, Phil Hawes, UFC middleweight debut with that 18-second knockout of Jacob Malkoon. Uh, it's funny how sometimes those – quick fights like that those quick knockouts are just as exciting as watching a longer fight so phil hawes put on a show in just 18 seconds my second star uh my second star of the week is brett phillips of the tampa bay rays uh game four he had the his first ever postseason hit and it happened to be a game winner which spun the game into pure chaos which i think we've all talked about in the past few podcasts i'm a firm believer in getting on base putting ball in play that's how you win playoff baseball games and that's exactly what happened and it won him a game you never know what happens when you put the ball in play so brett phillips on his first postseason hit just happened to be a game winner don't have to right. go to the stadium to win a game yeah you see right you see that a lot these two teams are playing great defensively and then it's just one defensive miscue cost them the game yep. just like that it's you got to be per you got to be almost perfect during the postseason Base runners on, throw a pitch out of rhythm, and just just put the ball in play. That's so one you games nope. in the postseason. My second start, staying with the Cardinal Seahawks game, Tyler Lockett, fifteen catches, two hundred yards, and a page out of Russ's book, three touchdowns. Um, yeah, unbelievable game. So Tyler Lockett, second start. Uh, my first star, Corey Seager. So far through five games in this World Series, he, in my opinion, is the front runner for MVP. Five games, he's hitting 471 with a 609 on base percentage, and he's hit two home runs. So he is tearing it up. There's been some talk over the last couple of years about the Dodgers potentially needing an upgrade at shortstop, and I think some of that was because he had uh, Tommy John surgery. They've been linked to like Francisco Lindor and whatnot. And I don't, he's a, he's easily a top five shortstop in the majors. I don't know why he would, he, he's proving they don't need anybody else. Cause in my opinion, he's a front runner for world series MVP so far, tearing it up. My first star is going to come as a shocker to all of you. It is the punter for the Rams, Johnny Hecker. The guy had five punts last night that pinned the Bears inside the 10-yard line and proved the wow. value of a quality punter and special teams in the NFL. Uh, it put just it pinned them back. They never moved the ball, and I felt like that was a big difference in the game last night is starting inside the 10 is not easy. It doesn't matter who you are. If you can't move the ball, you know, a little bit in those first couple of plays, you're just kind of stuck. You don't have a choice but to punt. And nope. on top of him pinning them, the way he kicks the ball, I don't know if you guys noticed this, he actually kicks it sideways so it spins. And it takes a set of balls to do this because if he misses that ball by a little bit, it's probably a 15-yard punt and it goes straight out of bounds. But he turns yeah, it sideways and drops it like you're kicking it at a picnic and just hits bombs. So my first they, star they is call, Johnny call, Hecker. 
they call it a wa- watermelon kick. I think is yeah. what they call it. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. It's crazy to, to watch him do it, but obviously those guys are just practicing all the time, but yeah, he had a hell of a game last night. Um, my first star was already mentioned, but that fast motherfucker DK Metcalf, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm giving him first star for the fucking A plus effort. Um, it was that I don't know if you guys saw the the end zone that Buda Baker was running to. I don't know if you guys saw that view of the play, but they had that. Metcalf was like in the middle of the field when that ball got picked, and he fought through like five guys and just it was Close incredible. The and like as. It, he he tackled him at like the eight, so it was probably ninety-two yards. I mean, he was flying, but as Russ said, as Russell Wilson was running, he almost kind of like looked and was like, "Oh, where where did he come from?" Because it just you know it seemed like it didn't matter. So I want to you take know. you back to the draft, Adam. Two years ago when he got drafted, you and I were texting, and I said the Bills need to draft. It doesn't matter now because they've got wide receivers. But do you remember you and I talking about them? being drafted i said i can't believe the bills they need yeah. to take metcalf this kid's a freak and not just the bills everybody passed on this kid and then when the seahawks got him i was like this kid's gonna be a stud i mean he was nasty in college yeah and he's what six six four six five he's built like a linebacker someone, someone yeah someone tweeted said i got i gotta see so i i have a obviously i don't know how i'm gonna get this in play but we gotta try to figure this out to tyree kill someone tweeted that the Tyreek Hill against Metcalf racing, but turn this into a charity thing because obviously we already want to see Allen and Mahomes yeah. throwing distance. There's there's got to be a couple other competitions yeah. some guys can challenge themselves to. I think that'd be fun did, to watch. Did you not see that, Taylor? Uh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, okay. Really impressive, but I only saw the the cuts of it where it was just a couple seconds. I couldn't see any of the whole field. That's <laughs> really impressive. So before yeah, Taylor gets to was, his dud, I want to throw mine out there. And then if you stayed. steal my dud, I'm going to be fucking pissed. I doubt I stole your dud. <laughs> I'm going with another punter who did oh, the opposite. Okay, yeah. Joel Velasquez, the punter from Boise State, who kicked one. Let me get these numbers right. Uh, he kicked it negative 38 yards. <laughs> kicked it backwards. <laughs> And I got down to the 21 yard line. He caught in his up kick and I went behind him. So, like a Phil Mickelson <laughs> right over his shoulder. Third, negative 38 yard punt. That's not good for the stats. That's my dud. Wait, since, wait before Taylor gets to his other, his dud here, did you guys see? I think I retweeted it, but the Texas Tech kicker or punter yes. kicked one from his own two. And it went through the other end zone. 110 yards. Dude, it was – and it took, like, one hop. Yeah. It was, like, it was, it was like an 80-yard kick. It's like an 80- or 83-yard <laughs> kick. Oh. It flew. It was crazy. So, by now, I think almost everybody has probably seen it. But Daniel Jones gets the dud of the week. He was so close to being a star of the week. If you haven't seen already, he was going 21 and a half miles an hour. He was flying. <laughs> And if anybody's actually the real dud of the week, I think it might be his two left feet because to the <laughs> fall at the eight-yard line, I mean, at least he had redemption to score a touchdown and make it so it all went away. But when it happened, 
I don't know if you guys were on my team, but when I saw it happen, I said, I hope they don't score. I hope this turns into <laughs> a huge kerfuffle. <laughs> I also read that the speed they clocked him at was like, it was actually like the fifth fastest or something like that. Yeah. Faster than all these running backs, right? Yep. They said it was, it was, it was like 21.23 miles an hour. And I think they said Tyree Kill's fastest speed this year is like 21.26. It was almost as fast as Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill's highest speed this year. Yeah, and he's fa- he was he was faster than Lamar Jackson too, I believe, by like a half a, you know, half a mile per hour. But too bad his upper body was going faster than his legs. <laughs> <laughs> that broke the record. Dude, and he right that was I think it was the that was like the second longest run in NFL history for a quarterback. If he would have scored, it would have been the longest, but it was like three yards shy of the record or something. Well, remember we were talking a couple weeks ago about. Uh, was it Cam Newton setting the rushing record for the Patriots or something? That yeah. one run would have done it right there. Yeah. <laughs> right. 75 yards the for the Patriots. Even with the trip, he would have set the new Patriots yeah. rushing record. And that that run right there is an example why I was surprised Newton set that record, that it hadn't been done before, because it only takes one random one break play away. like that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Dude, I couldn't – so I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't watch – I had no interest in watching that game, um, but – when I saw the highlight, I saw the, the thing that said he ran what 80 yards or whatever the heck it was. When they ran the play, I was like, how the hell did this guy go 80 yards? But he turned that corner and there was literally nobody there. Like, I don't, I don't know what the Eagles were doing, what they planned on doing, but yeah. clearly they, they didn't plan on him running defense. the ball. <laughs> they, they didn't know yeah. what they're doing either. So, <laughs> all right, gentlemen. Well, oh, never mind. That was your dead week. Yeah. So uh, that's it, gentlemen. We are recording tonight early, so I'll probably get this up hopefully early. And oh, LeBron still sucks. <laughs> well, that's a given. Had to get, had to get that in. Uh, the next next week at this time, I will be a dad, so we'll figure out plans for next week. Hopefully, my goodness, she's getting induced on the second. It's gonna be it's gonna be like the scene from the Alien where the baby just. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Wow! Dude, you say induced. You say induced on the second. So did my wife, and it was like two days later. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Might be doing a podcast in the hospital room. <laughs> Do you All want right, to help or? 